the Van Sisters podcast. Hi, welcome to episode 10 of the Van Sisters. I'm Alicia. And I'm Emma. And today we're talking to one of our favourite soul sisters, Stephanie Meads. Hi, Stephanie. Hi. Thanks for joining us on the podcast. Um, to start with, could you just give us a little bit of an intro of what an amazing person you are? Oh. Maybe you're not going to do that. <laughs> Tell us who you are and what you do. Okay. Well, first of all, I want to thank you two for allowing me to come on and have a chat with you today. You two are, as you know, two of my favourite people and I just love what you're doing with this podcast in terms of empowering so many people to think differently and start to act differently and take their, you know, their health and their well-being in their own hands. So, Thank you so much for doing the work that you do um, and also asking me to be on and perhaps assisting people a little bit more because that yeah. is essentially what I do. <laughs> so um, I'm a functional nutritionist and exercise physiologist, which basically are big words to just say that I am all about helping people to understand the way that their body works and the symptoms that their body may be giving them that something is wrong and then using food as medicine and movement as medicine and on top of that I've also done a whole heap of um, study in Ayurvedic medicine and also mindfulness so I do a lot with um, alternative type um medicine more so than the western medicine that I've actually been trained in terms of nutrition and exercise so I've I've taken a windy road to get to where I am which has allowed me to really take on board so many different modalities along the way and really fine-tune what I do so that uh, each and every person that I see comes to me um, as an individual and I look at them as a whole and work out what we need to do but there's certainly um, quite a few fun you know fundamental or foundational pieces of health and well-being that is a common thread across most people that I see mm -hmm. and and you know that's where I can bring to these sorts of conversations those common threads that can help a whole lot of people without having to be individualized assistance yeah which is totally awesome and I know um, speaking from my own experience a few years ago, you um, took my health from zero to hero, probably, <laughs> in a matter of six weeks with an autoimmune disease, which was mm. like within the six weeks, I was feeling amazing and functioning and had weight loss and clarity. And so you're my, I'm your biggest advocate for, um, you know, transition, transforming your health through food, which is just you know the basics really mm -hmm. which everyone's kind of forgotten sorry I, I have yeah. to correct you there Alicia you oh. took your health oh. from zero to hero within six weeks all I did was stood on the sidelines and said this way this is a you and my cheerleader yeah yeah keep running that way yes I remember I remember we'd been friends for a few years and um and then one day I said Steph can you help me and I remember you saying, I've been waiting for you to ask. <laughs> now, I'm not that kind of person. I'm the person going, you should be doing this because this is going to be really good for you. And so I, I found that, you know, she's, you know, you need, you need to be ready, which you Absolutely. do. You need to be ready to make that transition. Otherwise, it's not going to work mm. as and effectively that's, as it could. That's something I actually found out 
through a lot of experience because I wanted to try and fix everybody. Once I, <laughs> once I, once I was learning more and more about the body and the mind and how they work, I was like, oh, my goodness, everybody needs to know this. But unfortunately, yeah. it results in expending a whole lot of energy when people just aren't ready for it. People have to get to that point where they're like, no more. I cannot keep doing this. I, I cannot usually keep living that, life like this. Yeah, usually that place is not a good point to be. No, no. But... It's, there's only ways up. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Which so, is one of the we... reasons we absolutely love you, Steph, because we know that you don't push this stuff onto mm. anyone unless they specifically ask. And I know when we meet and we say, oh, what about this? Off you go running. And we're like, wow, that's a lot of information. <laughs> and we, we absolutely adore it, which is why we were like, you're the one of the first people we want on the podcast to discuss various health issues. And we were going to start really because with with sleep today but i know we're going to we're going to get you on for some other foundational health areas as well so if we could start with sleep with your permission we would love to hear what you've got to say on the subject because i mean alicia and i we we nap professionally really so we don't have any issues <laughs> we, we, we actually we're just teeing up to get onto the podcast now and emma sent me a message and said just about to nap for 20 <laughs> And then I sent her a picture. I've already laid down, ready to nap for 20. <laughs> so we're all good on the sleep end. However, we hear people, don't we, Alicia? We hear people constantly saying their sleep is not great. So yeah. who who's the best person who could talk about it? Steph, we're going to give it over mm -hmm. to you now. Off you go. <laughs> okay. All right. So I'm, I'm chuffed that we're starting here um, because – you know, what I've learned over the years of, of clinical practice is that, um, well, let's just take it back a step. You know, if you look at my background, I'm trained in functional nutrition and exercise. And I used to think they were the baseline pillars for achieving really good health and, and optimal well-being. But now I understand that underneath both of those lies sleep. If we haven't got our sleep right, then all of our efforts in terms of improving our diet and trying to move our bodies better to achieve, you know, weight loss, metabolic, better metabolic function, better cardiovascular health, we're under, undermining all of that if our sleep isn't there. So it's a really good place that I start with a lot of my clients. Um, and, you know, let me just start by just showing you just how important sleep is on multiple different areas of our health. Mm -hmm. So if we take one of the major reasons why people come to see me is because they have unexplained weight gain and they've tried everything and they just cannot lose the weight. So when we look at sleep and it's influence on weight it is actually sleep deprivation is actually one of the biggest causes of unexplained weight gain and the reason wow. for that is that when we don't get enough sleep all of the systems in our body start to become sluggish and they really slow down right because sleep is the time when our body is going through a whole heap of restoration both physical restoration and replenishment and psychological cognitive rest and replenishment now, if we're skimping on that, our body or all of the systems in the body cannot actually operate at their optimal level. 
The other big piece with the weight is that, well, there's three main pieces that, that come into play when we're looking at sleep deprivation and weight. The first one is its effect on our hormones. So when we have a poor night's sleep, and so when I'm talking about a poor night's sleep, it's it's less than the recommended, you know, seven to nine hours. We can talk about what's recommended and how we find it and all of that. That's absolutely fine. But just to start with, when we look at when I'm saying low sleep quantity, it means below that seven hours mark. So if we have a night where we sleep less than that seven hour mark, what the studies are showing us is that we actually get a 30% increase in release of cortisol the next day. Now, cortisol is one of our key stress hormones and cortisol actually has a whole heap of influence over how we operate from our cognitive point of view in our mind and how our body operates the next day. So what cortisol can actually do to our metabolism is that it actually shunts us into fat storage mode. So rather than us being able to go through our day and use fat as a fuel source, we actually have to store that that fat in our adipose tissue and we get more um, signals to use carbohydrates as our preferred fuel source. So this is after one bad night's sleep. So we Is have this a... why we want to gorge on carbs? That's my next we... question. Ellie <laughs> <laughs> exactly. should I mind reading each other on Zoom? Yeah. yeah. Is yeah. that why you feel the need to eat potatoes? Yes. Well, that's just me. Um, <laughs> when I haven't had much sleep. Absolutely. So what's happening is even if you've got a you know a keto based diet, you know, which is yep. just you know predominantly healthy fats, a little bit of clean protein and small amount of complex carbohydrates, your body's still going to shunt you across into carbohydrate burning mode when you have this increase in cortisol going through your system. So your body is going to give you biochemical signals to eat those potatoes, to eat that <laughs> starchy food. And this is going to last for around 24 hours after a bad night's sleep. Okay. So if wow. you think about, you know, a lot of women, um, you know, but really, well, a lot of the women I see are really trying to lower their weight through focusing on diet and exercise alone and missing this key component, right? So if we can actually start to improve quality and quantity of sleep, it actually improves your cravings. It, it improves your ability to mobilize fat and use it as a preferred fuel source so that you're not storing it around that midline area. So that's one key component of the hormones. But the other thing that makes us want to gorge the next day is that we have two other hunger um, regulating hormones. One's called ghrelin, one's called leptin. Now, they, they sound like they're fair out of ET. Every time I talk about it, I'm like, yeah, no, they're not the little gremlin things. But <laughs> they are legit hormones that regulate our appetite. Legit. So, legit. <laughs> um, so basically, just to explain them really briefly, leptin is the our society hormones, satiety hormone. So basically what it, what it signals to our brain is, you know what, we're good, we've had enough to eat, we've got enough energy in our system, and it downregulates our appetite. On the flip side, ghrelin is the exact opposite. So ghrelin is stimulated uh, when we need to eat, when we haven't got that, that fuel source available to us. And it actually triggers to our brain for us to reach for foods. So what the sleep science shows is, again, if we're looking at that 6.5 to 7 hours sleep versus, you know, the 8 to 9 hours sleep, there's a huge um, shift in how those hormones um, are secreted, the production and secretion of those hormones throughout the next 24-hour period. 
even to, you know, in terms of percentages, what they're showing is, you know, this six and a half hours sleep results in a, an increase in ghrelin, which is, mm. remember, the hormone that makes us want to eat, by 15% the next day. And leptin, which is the hormone that makes us feel full, reduces by about 20%. So for anybody that's trying to lose weight, this is not going to work in their favour. And what the so science- Steph, does that have a compounding effect after, you know, weeks of bad sleep? No, not in terms of the percentages of the hormonal change, but what does happen, Leish, is that we end up, what the the science is showing us is that these um, changes in hormones lead to on average about 250 to 300 calories more being consumed in that 24-hour period. So that is what has a compound effect. So if we're eating more than our body needs by 250, 300 calories every day, Mm. that's going to equal weight gain. Mm-hmm. So that's a that's a huge one. Yeah, and this yeah. is all just with one less sleep cycle a night. Because you often hear, um, well, I've heard, you know, friends say, I don't know what's happened, I'm walking, I'm eating properly, yep. I'm doing all these things, and I just can't shift the weight. And that's kind of where I was as well. Yep. Um, and then it's simple. So start napping more, is that our suggestion? <laughs> Can you catch up then? So is that a question that can you catch up if you've had a crappy night's sleep the night before of, say, six hours? Is it possible to have a 20-minute or 40-minute nap the next day to equal that out or is it doesn't work like that? Look, it's going to be better for you if you can have a nap, but it doesn't equal it out. And the reason why is Mm -hmm. that if you look at how your sleep works over the period of that eight hours. We go through these um, a cycle, basically a sleep cycle that has five phases to it. The mm-hmm. first and the second phase of the sleep cycle are re- really when we're quite light on in our sleep and we can be easily woken. There's not much happening from a restorative point of view. It's basically just our body starting to wind down and put the brake on. Mm-hmm. And then we head into phase three and four, which is our deeper sleep phases. And in these phases, this is where we're doing, you know, the restoration, the detoxification, getting rid of all of the toxic junk that's built up in the day. We're going through and replenishing our glands and our hormones. It's, it's a real time of physical restoration. And then the fifth phase is actually our REM sleep. So our REM sleep traditionally has been seen as a bit of a non-event, so to speak, but what they're actually now showing is that is the most powerful time of psychological restoration. So it's basically when our brain goes through kind of like a dishwasher cycle where it kind of floods the flip, empties it of all of the rubbish, right, and the toxins and it'll in that REM sleep, it's when we're, kind of making sense of what we've learnt during the day and laying down those learnings and laying down new memories and and just really sorting the brain out. So we go through these five phases. So those five phases make up one sleep cycle and we go through about five sleep cycles. A healthy sleep quantity is five sleep cycles a night. Now, if you look at cutting that down to four, and then you think, oh, I'll just catch up tomorrow with a 20-minute nap, you're taking off one of those, you know, Mm. complete five-phase cycles and then you're tagging on just in terms of 20-minute nap, you're only doing phase one and two. So you've actually missed out on one-fifth of or 20% 
of the restoration that's happening. Which overnight. are the most important parts of it's it. It's exactly right. So wow. this napping business, you just, it's, you know, it's, it's going to make you feel better, <laughs> but it's not going to allow you to reset and replenish like a good night's sleep. And on that, um, on that train of thought, I often hear women that come in to see me say, oh, you know, I skimp during the week, but I make up for it on the weekend because I sleep in. And we call that in in the sleep world, we call that social jet lag. So basically what's happening is you're, you're then throwing your sleep cycles out of whack, your sleep regularity out of whack on the weekends. And that makes Monday really bloody hard right, (laughs) to get back into a normal sleep cycle. So it's something that we really say, you know, you cannot catch up and make up for poor quality sleep during the week. And I know um, as being one of your friends, Steph, you are really strict with your sleep cycles. Obviously, you fully understand, you know, the amount of sleep that you get. If, if, you know, 8 o'clock at night, there there really is no activity for you after that. No, I'm home, I'm in bed. You're always yep. up early as well, yep. but you are maximising your sleep cycle. So Emma and I get really good sleep and we nap as well. <laughs> so could we, is that a bonus? That's a Yes, that's a bonus. But okay. I think the other thing is that when we're talking about sleep, well, two things I want to talk about there. Yes, I am, I am very, very firm with my boundaries when it comes so to, to everyone who ever wants to invite steph to anything we know this now do not invite her to any evening events that go no. past eight o'clock because she will literally walk up yep and walk out yep and I do. We, we are no longer offended it's yep. fine with us <laughs> and this is this is why right because i just you know we've only just touched the tip of the iceberg in terms of talking mm. about sleep with weight but sleep affects our appearance you know there's studies mm. that are showing oh, totally. that that, you know, 6.5 hours compared to eight hours a night. There was an amazing UK study done actually um, in middle-aged women and it showed that after five consecutive um, nights of sleeping, 6.5 hours versus their normal eight hours, they had an increase in the appearance of wrinkles and fine lines by 45%. That's crazy. I know, 45%. So that's another issue. And I think, well, I want to look my best. I want to feel my best. I want to be at my optimal weight, you know. Then you add on to it as well, like, Mm. you know, the current climate that we've got at the moment with everything going on with viruses and people being concerned about, you know, their immunity. The stress of it, yeah. Yeah, well, the stress is another piece. But in terms of immunity, like our immunity goes through the gurgler if we are not getting deep quality sleep that's the time when we really do have that immune stimulation mode right when we're in those phases three and four of deep sleep so if we're skimping on that we're going to be far more likely to succumb to colds flus you know whatever's going Mm. around so for me it's super like it is it underlines everything that I do to get that good night's sleep you know and if you look at like yes, I may I may be very strict with my boundaries, and that might seem quite unusual to a lot of people. But more people need to be doing this sort of stuff because if you look at the stats, you know, forty percent of women in the Western world are sleep deprived. Forty percent of women wow. are not achieving their optimal well being because of this one pillar of health that they are not prioritizing. So and do you think this is all? 
Mm. Yeah, they're running on empty. But do you think, Steph, this is around, you know, a lot of women uh, are waiting for their pe- their kids to go to bed, for example, if they've got young children and their kids are going to bed at, you know, 8 o'clock or whatever or 7 o'clock and then they're, they've got their own, you know, free time, in inverted commas, and then they're, they're just staying up later because of that. Is that. Do you think that's a contributing factor? Absolutely. There's multiple contributing factors, right? Like I'm, I'm a mum of young kids. I get it, you know, but in terms of, like I, I just don't think that's a good enough, you know, reason when you think about mm. it. like if, if you're saying, you know, my kids go to bed at eight and then I need a wind down period. Well, that's all good and well, but then you need to kind of factor that into then what does your wake time look like, right? So can you extend your wake time out? And if you can't extend your wake time out because you've got work or because of the kids, then you need to be climbing back that bedtime. And, you know, seeing that, as part of you time and part of your self care, right? To actually so get it's reframing the reframing that free time is actually well that sleep time is way more important for self care. Yeah, well, and it, if you it well it depends on depends on what you're you're aiming for in terms of optimal well being. But if you value a healthy weight, if you value good hormones, if you value good, you know, metabolic function, if you value looking good, if you value good immunity, if you value, you know, optimal brain function, then yeah, you can start to see, well, actually adding that extra half hour of sleep is really the best thing for me. Yeah. yeah. It's so Great. simple. Yeah. Wow. Steph, okay. Um, any tips or hints for people who are having difficulty sleeping? Yes, I've got so many. <laughs> um, I thought you might. Yeah. Well, actually, well, I think you might have some resources we're going to put in the show notes. So for people listening, don't worry. We've got we've got you. <laughs> what have you yeah. got for us, Steph? What have you got? Yeah, so I've got, I mean, I've got so many different tips. And as you say, Em, I've got heaps of tools. And, and the reason being is, you know, I've put together a whole seven-day sleep program, which is all about educating people about what they can be doing to improve their sleep. But if we look at just the, the overall strategy that I use, I actually love acronyms, as you girls know, like I'm mm-hmm. forever making up acronyms <laughs> to help people <laughs> remember you know, the tips and the tools that can help. So for this one, the acronym is SLEEP. So the S stands for stress. The L's, I'll go through each of these individually. The L stands for light. The E stands for exercise and eating. The other E stands for environment. And the P stands for preparation, as in wind down time, preparing your body for sleep and planning. And that's where the regularity of the sleep pattern comes in. Hey there, Emma here. We had to split this awesome podcast into two sections with the beautiful Steph. So we're pressing pause just for a moment on the next episode. We will continue with the sleep acronym. And oh my gosh, it gets so much better. So stay tuned for the next episode. The Van Sisters Podcast.